This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. Mr. Dave Fulson, you and I have known each other for a a few years. We go back a little way. We've done a hunt together here a time or two and been involved in all kinds of different things. And, and over the years, you have developed uh, maybe an affinity, a love, a, uh, a passion for Africa, among other hunting. But particularly, I think you really do like the African scene, don't you? Yeah, you know, Larry, I'm probably more known for African hunting, although like you, proud son of Texas, and, you know, grew up hunting, you know, like most of us, starting with whitetails and expand to antelope, and, you know, one day want to shoot an elk and then maybe a bear. And as those things kind of came along, you know, uh, Africa was always in my mind. And, and people ask me, you know, where did the Africa passion come from, from a kid from Hearst, Texas? <laughs> uh, and I thought of my chances as a young boy, you know, reading Hemingway and Ruark. And, you know, I would wait for that Sports of Field magazine to come, you know. And, and the first thing I would look for, you know, is there a picture of a charging elephant or there's a man-eating lion? or the, It was those kind of things that I was really, really drawn to. And, you know, Larry, I figured, you know, when I was a young guy growing up, my chances of ever going to Africa would be on par with me being picked a captain the next space shuttle flight. The same as mine, actually. <laughs> it, it, it's funny, but, you know, I, I really do believe, you know, if you'll come up, if you get clear in life on the what, you will get clear eventually on the how. 
And the how for me, I couldn't write the check to go to Africa. You know, when I, you know, I think, you know, you know, when I was a really a young guy, I really got my start in the outdoor business and the fishing business. You know, right. I, I was going to be the next uh, Rick Klun or Bill Dance or, you know, and then, uh, you know, you start fishing outside of your comfort zone and stuff and you realize you get to florida or new york or or alabama you're just another guy with a boat and rods and reels but i learned a little bit about the tv business doing that and did a you know fishing tv show for a while learned how to be in front of the camera learned a lot more about how to be behind the camera and i thought maybe this camera could get me to africa and that's actually how I got my start was filming for a guy named Mark Sullivan, who, you know. I well remember before you went over, you and I talking about mm-hmm. you're finally going to get to go to Africa and you're going to be there. And I remember a, uh, when you came back, you told me about a hippo charge. Yeah, we filmed a hippo that literally, you talk, it was a, you know, shot it literally out of our feet. And that was probably one of the most, well, that was an exciting deal. I, I probably truly on my first African trip came as close to getting getting killed by an elephant as I ever have and and that's been quite a few times you know what happened there how well did, we, we were filming and we were tracking buffalo and we weren't particularly close to buffalo and we we're going through what we call miombo scrub you know Texans could say like real thick mesquite right. or something it's a different bush but similar it's, you know and I saw a little clearing up ahead. I thought, well, okay, we're not really hot on any tracks. So I veered off to the left by myself, away from all the protection of the big guns. And I was going to get a shot of these guys just coming through at a different angle. And I literally, uh, it, it shot, and, and Larry, you've hunted elephants and you've been around elephants a lot. You know, their very size in thick cover is their camouflage. It is. You'll hear an elephant, and you're thinking, if if I can see through this thing, whatever it is, I can see the elephant. And, and you realize in its <laughs> elephant foot moves eight That's feet right. from you, and this is the elephant. Exactly. And as odd as that sounds, but anyhow, I literally stepped right into a sleeping cow herd, and one of them took off after me, and I mean hard. And in fact, you know, later, they thought the elephant had caught me because what happened, I took off, and it's the two times in my life I've I've been running so hard that I dropped my camera, that I I, let, I didn't need the extra weight. Right. And saving the camera was not as important as saving Save Dave. <laughs> exactly. So I took off, and I was running, and at one time she was so close to me that uh, a tree, uh, you know, about 8-inch, 9-inch, you know, round tree, smashed down and it came in front of me now if it would have landed on me she would have had me but anyhow i am running and dodging through this miombo and she is just screaming bloody murder literally on my heels and uh all of a sudden i saw a lip uh, of a gully i didn't know if it was a gully if it was the grand canyon whatever but i hit it going full speed and back then you know the 28 year old dave full speed was pretty considerable yes and i was in midair for a little while but it was a they call him a carongo we'd call him a gully in texas and i literally hit and rolled and she pulled up because it was too steep for her to just bail off and the sound she made and you know if if you've ever heard a, a an infuriated elephant it is one of uh, the world's true sounds of death. Uh, and and um, she was grumbling and screaming so hard that they thought she had me down. And uh, anyhow, so I went across, and then I looked over my shoulder as I was going up the other bank, and she was running down the bank to a crossing. And so I literally ran while she was coming across, and then I crossed back onto the side 
that I had come from right. and went up the first considerable tree that I could get. And, and I, I think I'm still picking out thorns, and that was 30-something years ago. And I went up uh, the thorniest tree, and let me tell you what, I went up it like a spider monkey. <laughs> like it didn't have any thorns, right? <laughs> yeah, so so that was, yeah, and we had, you know, we, we shot a bunch of buffalo on that trip. I was in the bush for 72 days in Tanzania, which is, you had to fall out of an airplane in Africa. You know, if you ask me, that's the place I'd like to land is Tanzania. Right. And, uh, you know, that really uh, early into the hunt, I, I just, there was something about it. I knew that I had found my future. And that was the beginning of a, of a you know, a little more than a three-decade love affair with Africa. And I've... Uh, I've been I've been very dedicated to her for for the last doesn't mean I haven't done other things of course you know and I love to hunt and and in North America wherever I you know I'm a hunter at heart like you but but uh, it, it became it became my passion and and eventually became my business absolutely yeah going back away I remember you used to do a fair amount of varmint calling predator calling I still do a fair amount of varmint calling. I'm telling you, I'd get just as excited watching a bobcat come sneaking in at night in the light as I do, uh, you know, a leopard getting on a branch. I mean, there's, you know, I, you know, Larry, you're probably like me. The, the the older you get, you know, people know what you do and they know what I do. And I had a guy come over to the house recently and, you know, he's looking around and there's, you know, a lifetime of taxidermy in there. He said, wow, with all this on the wall, you know, what? what do you really look forward to next? And I, and I said, you know what I really look forward to next is, is you know, a, a good dove shoot with just some friends or getting out a good bird dog and some quail or being with some buddies, you know, in some good varmint country and, and calling, you know, you don't have the pressure of, you know, coming home with shows. You don't, uh, you know, all the pressure and the expense. Yeah, and people have no idea. You just get back. You know, I wrote an article not, too long ago for game trails magazine it was called coming full circle yes and and it was kind of a tribute to you know my earliest best hunting buddy a guy named doug mcgee and doug and i you know when we were young we hunted what we could afford and that was doves and ducks right but we had a great duck place down around corsicana and you know he had his driver's license i didn't have mine yet but my parents consented to let me run like a wild Indian up and down those river bottoms around Trinidad and all that. And we did it for, and Doug was content with that. And he's still content with that. But me, I was looking down whitetails and then big whitetails and then elk and, and realized maybe the best days of your life were right at your feet and you didn't even know it. And, and, you know, you older guys have told you and me that when we were our, th- that age and we didn't listen to them like the guys that I was trying to reach with that article probably didn't listen to me. But it is funny, you know, you do come back home. And, and as the older you get, score sheets and some record book or how many inches or how long, that matters less and less and less as to having fun, being with people that you enjoy milking as much as you can out of the hunting experience as you can and uh um yeah 
unfortunately, I don't think everybody matures to that level. No, I don't think they do. But for those of us that have, right, it, it is a it is one of God's blessings that He you know beats it into our thick skull. At the end of the day, this is supposed to really be fun before it's supposed to be anything else, profitable or recognition, or it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a passion. I gave you the opportunity to do this for lots of reasons, but one of them is to appreciate the adventure, the wildlife, take on the responsibility of making sure that we're leaving, you know, we're leaving our resources and our wildlife in as good a hands as we can, which gets harder every year. But, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, it doesn't, uh, there's days I get uh, as excited over a bull bobcat as a bull <laughs> elephant, you know. And I hope I'll always be that I, way. I got a feeling you will. I, you know, usually I'm asked, what's your favorite hunt? And my standard line is always the next one I'm going on. Yep. And that could be a rabbit hunt. It could be a squirrel hunt. And I'm as excited about that as, as the possibility of maybe one of these days going back across the water and, or, and going into Europe or Australia or some of the other places I've been in the past to revisit. What's your? Uh, you mentioned the, the the elephant, and I will tell you the only time I got really seriously almost trampled a couple times it was an elephant. Same way, one was an old tuskless cow that seemed to show up no matter where we did that chased me everywhere I went, and the other one was was an elephant. We were actually stalking buffalo on the. Um, uh, oh gosh, I, I can't remember which river it was right now. There in the what these called the previous trip, mm-hmm. and uh, real thick brush and. Just as I stepped forward, the PH grabbed my collar, and there was another PH who was front, another behind, grabbed my collar and jerked me out of the way. And as he did, here came this elephant running through a narrow little spot right there. And had I been taking a step forward, she'd have run right over the top of me. Yeah. And never knew she was there until she went by. So, but that's interesting. You know, everybody has adventures, and, and I've listened to several of yours over the years. And of course, you've been very fortunate and very talented. Because in terms of capturing so many of those hunts, not only for yourself, but for so many others through Safari Classics. Uh, I mean, y'all have done all kinds of different things, like so-and-so on buffalo, so-and-so on elephant, and you know, those kind of things beyond on the TV show. Uh, let's talk buffalo a little bit. Sure. Uh, what's one of my favorite things to do is to hunt buffalo, and I assume you like to do the same. Yeah, you know, Larry, it's funny about Africa, you know, um, some guys say, look, you know, if they really want to hunt Africa, I want to get, you know, I'd like to shoot a lion, but right. I'll only shoot one. Right. If I ever get a leopard, that'll probably be the only leopard I ever shoot, or right. I may, you know, same may be with a bull elephant. But once they've hunted buffalo, if there's an opportunity, they'll hunt him every time they get they they get around them you know what they say you know you know they're they're kind of like lawyers you know they're 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 plentiful they're mean and you don't get emotionally attached to them and and it's buffaloes are kind of like that and uh you know no matter where you hunt them you know a hunt for buffalo in the delta of mozambique is a completely different tracking from a tracking hunt and say like the zambezi valley or uh, you know anywhere up in east africa you know where it's generally you take the tracks and you're going after them there's some places today that you've been there like uganda you know it's uh there's so many buffalo in there you know you can access a lot of it by vehicles or getting up on vantage points you see these big herds but everybody the point i'm trying to make is every buffalo hunt is different and the guy said well i've shot a buffalo 
one to me is like a guy, you know, said, well, I've shot a white-tailed deer. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, well. And, and, and yeah, and I'm, on, I'm looking forward to the next one, and then there's next season, <laughs> and the next, every one of them's different. They look different. The experience was different. The shot challenge was different. You know, but buffalo are just like that. But, but un, unlike a whitetail, when you leave the lodge in the morning for a whitetail hunt, you you don't have that little knowledge in the, that goes up the back of your neck that says today if it went wrong I could I could lose my life, and that is a possibility every time you unzip the tent in Africa after buffalo because you are dealing with a an animal uh, that you know all the dangerous stuff whether it's claws horns teeth size you know they all have different ways to um, take us off the tax rolls. And and Buffalo in particular, he doesn't have many he doesn't have many weaknesses. I mean, he's going to weigh from sixteen to eighteen hundred pounds. He's large boned. He's thick skinned. Uh, you know, I, I will say this. You know, because I talk about Buffalo all the time. Do a lot of seminars on Buffalo. Right. And some people think you know that they get shortchanged if if you know the first buffalo bull they see doesn't come at them in a flat out charge and and you know try to eat them you know buffalo left to their own devices they're looking for food they're looking for cover they're trying to stay away from lions and they're wanting to serve as cows and generally left to their own devices they're happy to chew the cud of contentment you know they're not fire breathing monsters and but you can get into trouble with them i've lost when I say lost, I mean uh, uh, as in killed by yes. several dear, dear friends by buffaloes. Some were wounded by hunters. Some were wounded by lions, and the hunters blundered into them. And some weren't wounded at all. They got surprised at short range, and it was a fight-or-flight situation, and the buffalo charged uh, before there was really any time to, to do something about it. And, you know, everybody I, I hear talks about charges all the time, you know. Buffalo charges are pretty rare, and they're nearly 98% of the time preceded by a mistake by the hunter. But when they, everybody thinks they want to experience one because we read about them, and, you know, that's what gets all the ink. And But a buffalo charge from close range by one that's really determined is one of the most terrible experiences you can have in your life and and you will quickly get over that you know i'd like to experience one the experience one i'll sell you buffalo tape and you can watch seven or eight good charges and watch it again and again that's and the again best way to experience yes. because totally uh, as you're trying to do your joe cool deal after a real shootout <laughs> with a buffalo afterwards you you try i hope nobody's watching you as you go behind a tree and throw up because that's it is an unpleasant that's the reality of, that is of the that situation that is the reality but again you know there's there's a reason you know you know people don't climb mountains with the thought of falling to their death but it is that understanding that if you make a mistake gravity will kill you and 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 with buffalo there just there is no doubt there is a certain element of, of excitement when you're hunting something that if it goes wrong has the ability to kill you and and buffalo since we hunt more of them there's more 
run-ins with buffaloes simply right. because there's more buffalo hunted than there are lions or elephants or leopards. So there's more mishaps with buffalo, but they'll happen every year. You know, our Frontline Foundation, the Dallas Safari Club Frontline Foundation. I was going to bring that up yep. after you mentioned yep. we have lost friends. And again, they're PHs and, and trackers and very important people in, in our lives and everybody else's lives, too. And but people, you're right. The Frontline Foundation is, is an absolutely fantastic DSC. Well, and what it is, for those of your listeners yeah, that may, may not know, the DSC Frontline was uh, created, you know, and uh, and there's nothing that I do on this planet that gives me more satisfaction than saying I'm a board member of the DSC Frontline Foundation. It is a financial fund that was established to help members of the professional hunting fraternity uh and that not just in africa that can be in spain it can be in russia alaska canada anywhere but professional hunters and or outfitters if they are wounded or, or even worse killed in the line of duty you know actually uh in the process of of conducting you know their hunts whether it's a key it could be they could have an accident with a horse it could be an avalanche it could be a lightning strike but if they're conducting their professional services it is a financial you know relief package that we we offer and you know every one of them's different some guys are just in the hospitals but they're gonna you know they've got medical bills uh, then they are going to lose days. You know, a professional hunter with a broken leg is not going to, he's not going to be able to be in the yeah. field. So to the best of our ability, uh, you know, we've been there for, for, and I mean, we have covered accidents in Canada, Russia, Spain, a lot of, uh, you know, North America, but Africa is where most of uh, most of it happens. And now we've included the members of the, of anti poaching, professional anti poaching, and game scouts because those guys are. And we call it the front line because these guys are on the front they line of danger. Line, yes. and, and you know, you and I couldn't do what we do without them. Yeah. And right. you know, we we depend on them. And when it, it all goes wrong, and the guys got to go hands and knees into the thick stuff to root out the leopard. Probably ain't gonna be you and me. It's gonna be a professional hunter and a tracker. So those guys are out front. They're really on the front lines. But but you know, we're talking about buffalo. We've written more checks to to guys hurt or killed by buffalo, buffalo. Yes. than all the rest combined. So it kind of makes my point about the more of them that are hunted, the more accidents you'll have. Since you mentioned the uh, DSC Frontline Foundation, what's the website and how can listeners uh, contribute to that? Because it is a contribution-driven yeah, fund. It, it is. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, they can go on either the Dallas Safari Club, you know, DSC.org. They can go on the, uh, the foundation website, or you can, you know, we have Facebooks. You know, if you just Google DSC Frontline, Frontline. Foundation, it will pop up. And we absolutely, you know, the industry uh, has been so good for us and has been so accepting uh, of what what we're doing and and certainly the people that are the beneficiaries of this some of them get a call from us and don't even know this exists exactly and it's just and you know we you know there's some qualifications again you know you can be a professional hunter now it ain't going to cover you if you're in town buying supplies but you know if you're actually you know you've got to be in the field, the field conducting yes. professional hunting services uh but you know goodness they don't even know about that this is offered and and uh um you know we my partner tim dancliffe and i with chafuti safaris we lost a uh 
we lost uh, you know a dear friend and our senior professional hunter uh, in uh, you know in Zimbabwe. Uh, Owen Lewis, and he was killed by a buffalo that he'd been tracking for two days. And when this buffalo killed him, he had nine express rifle bullets in him, and 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 Owen couldn't, you know, uh, right. over a two-day firefight, and and you know, put uh, three, four, five eights into him, uh, coming and saved the life of the the apprentice that was there. Uh, he turned the charge from the apprentice onto him, but but. You know, and and we were raising a lot of money, and and uh, you know, just from people that had hunted with Owen, right. and, and you know, people said, you know, man, it's just a tragedy. Left a widowed wife in Zimbabwe, which is an unbelievably difficult situation to be in. And it was Owen's last year of hunting as a professional. Looking forward to retirement. Oh my god! <coughs> Excuse me. So, while we were doing that, some of the current and future presidents of Dallas Safari Club had been thinking along the same lines and so that was between you know those guys and us saying you know we we've kind of got a system here to, we, we realize there's a need and we realize a lot of people want to help and that was kind of the genesis of how the dsc frontline came to be so if um, you know anybody in any amounts appreciated absolutely and there's no amount of money that you know these people get that they're just not so um, they're so appreciative of the help. I've had the opportunity to, to be around at least a couple of PHs who benefited and their families who benefited from their program. And honestly, had it not been for the DSC Foundation, uh, uh, the Frontline Foundation, I don't know what these folks would have done. I mean, they they would have they had no money. They had no money to pay for things. I mean, most of these guys were, as most PHs are, they're not they're, they're in this because they love it, and they're not getting wealthy by taking out clients kind of thing. You mentioned the, the shooting. You and I both have, have shot Buffalo and, and other big game there as well. And You and I both use Hornady, uh, which I'm very proud that those folks, they, they just don't come any better. Nor does their ammunition or bullets come any better. When somebody calls you and says, uh, Dave, I've been watching y'all's videos and I'm thinking about going to Africa and I want to shoot a buffalo and biggest thing I've shot so far is a white-tailed deer or maybe even a bison here in, in the States, what, what, what do you recommend that they take? Now, I know there's some minimums in certain instances, but generally what caliber, uh, what round, what rifle, and particularly in hunting dangerous game, what what bullet or load do you recommend? Well, look, you're right about, and this is pretty much across the board uh, for buffalo and most of the dangerous game species. There are minimum caliber requirements, which in nearly every country, that's the 375. Right, exactly. And the 375, since it was designed in the early 1900s, is kill more dangerous game just with that one caliber than with every other caliber all combined and it is a uh, it, it was it, it will kill the biggest bull elephant that ever you know grew feet and it will kill buffalo and it will you know and it's so versatile it's a flat shooting 
You know, I mean, I've done a lot of one-gun safaris. Absolutely. And, you know, I was going to shoot buffalo, but, I mean, you know, I always carry solids for buffalo, too. But but there have been times, you know, like grice buck and stuff. You know, all of a sudden I've seen a grice buck in the Zambezi Valley. The soft comes out, a solid goes in, and you shoot a nine-pound grice buck with your three seven five. So it's a really versatile, it's a really, really versatile uh, round. And, and uh, you know, I shoot Remingtons and, uh, you know, I want to, uh, I want to think, you know, if I'm, if, well, look, Larry, I, I don't, I don't want to say this right because it's a question we get a lot. Now, I believe um, there's degrees, there's no degrees of dead. It is or it is not. Right. You know, and kind of the way I feel, you know, like a 12 and 20 gauge. A 20 gauge is great. Kill Anything the 20 can do, though, the 12 can do a little bit better. So it depends on the person, you know, especially I would say if a guy says, Dave, I'm thinking about buying a new rifle. I know I want to tackle buffalo. One day I'm going to want to tackle elephant. Uh, you know, we all have different levels of recoil sensitivity. Right. Uh, you know, the professional hunter would rather you shoot a 375 that you shoot well. Well. Than a you know five oh five Gibbs or a four sixty Weatherby or a big double that maybe you're afraid of you know uh, shot placement is far more important than than caliber. However, you combine good shot placement with a you know with different calibers. A four sixteen definitely has a lot more oomph than a three seven five. Right. I'm a big four sixteen shooter. I love a four sixteen. I mean I've got big double guns, I've got four sixteen, I've got three seven fives, and you know, it's kinda like tools. You know, a mechanic has a different tool for a different job. He doesn't have one that works for everything. Uh most people three seven five is the right right the right choice. And the, the recoil is manageable. It's manageable. You're not scared about it. You know, look, you, you know, practice, is, as we know, you know, shooting, even if you shoot a lot and you take off years, it's like golf. It's not a – you don't just pick it right back up where you left off. And, you know, practice is everything, and especially – on dangerous game, you know, I mean, screwing up has consequences for you or somebody else. Exactly. And, you know, we all, no matter what, if you're shooting a whitetail or you're a buffalo, whatever, you want to, you want to, you know, for ethical reasons, for safety reasons, you want to shoot it right, you want to, you want to have an adequate caliber, you want to have a bullet that's, you know, built for the job for and the gets, job. Us back, yes. gets us back to Hornady's yes. and stuff. So. You know, look, for most guys, I will say, you know, a 375 probably is, is your best your best choice. Uh, you know, a lot of great bullet selections from Hornady. You know, the, I've shot that DGX, which is the Dangerous Game Expandable, as well as the DGS. Uh, you know, which is their solid. Now, on elephants, everything's solid bullets. You know, you've right. got to shoot yeah, a solid. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, Larry, you know this, but, you know, people say, well, how many bullets should I bring, you know, because there's, you know, bring 11 pounds of ammunition. Are you going to shoot a lot of planes game or is it just going to be buffalo? But I will always tell somebody, bring probably 10 solids on a buffalo hunt because and the, the reason why, you know, buffalo – uh, while they're not indestructible monsters, uh, they are muscled. They have an adrenal system once they get worked up that is beyond any other animal that I've ever hunted. Uh, you know, shot right, 
uh, he, he'll go 75 yards and fall over in a cloud of dust. But then you shoot him wrong and he gets worked up and now you can, he can be coming and you can blow his heart into you know, M&Ms starting at 30 yards and before he runs out of oxygen, he will still have enough in the tank to kill you. So, you know, most buffalo hunts go something like this. You're stalking, you're on the tracks, they start warming up. The one tracker's, you know, looking at the ground and the other one's looking ahead. And, you know, if everything goes right, eventually the trackers are going to freeze. The pH will go up there. His shooting sticks will come up. You'll get the signal and he'll be saying, okay, there's two of them. It's the one facing the left. And all of a sudden there is a real, by God, black buffalo bull standing in front of you and you know he'll tell you he'll walk you through the shot and if the buffalo knows you're there which a whole lot of times they do yes it comes to that point you're going to get your initial shot which i would rather shoot with an expandable bullet you know hope you're going for that shoulder it could be a frontal shot sometimes that's all you're offered but today's you know like that hornady dgx is such an unbelievable bullet and the gmx is as well and i mean you can hit him front and it'll go all the way through all those big arteries the heart get into the lungs and do a tremendous amount of damage and create a huge wound. that's it which is what you want but 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 then especially on a buffalo that knows you're there you know, he 99.9% of the time, he's going to turn around and he's going away. Now, at that point, I always shoot an expandable first, and I have it backed up with solids because at that point, he's going away from you. And even the best, even even the Hornadies, which I think is the best bullet on planet Earth, they're not. you're going to have to hit him in the pants as he's going away. And it's going to go up there through that gigantic grass bag they call a stomach, and just no expandable can make it no, through that. No, no, but but yeah, a good yeah, solid yeah. will. Yes. you can hit him on that back hip, and you know you always tell people it's not where you hit him, where the bullet goes in, it's where the bullet's going to end up. Right. And you've got a good solid like that DGS will plow through hip, go through the stomach, and will work its way into the lungs. And and and. I've dug a lot of bullets out of buffaloes because, like you, I like to see, you know, where I hit them. I like to see and it falling through. I want to see what that bullet actually did. And it is shocking. And I've even played with bullets, you know, on dead buffalo, get down at different angles and shoot yes. shoot different bullets. Yes. And you get in there with the metal detector and you're digging them out or you're offering the tracker five bucks for right. every bullet they find. But, you know, you, you – uh, to see some of the bullets that I've dug out of buffaloes and stuff and see how far they went in. And somebody said, well, why do you shoot Hornady? And I hold that bullet up. And I said, that's the reason. And, you know, Larry, you run into this like I do too, you know, in a TV game, you know, there's, you know, I've been very fortunate. You've been very fortunate that, you know, our productions have attracted, you know, some of the greatest, you know, industry leaders that we have. But but let me tell you what, I don't, nobody could write me a check big enough to hunt with a piece of gear that I thought put me at risk. Amen. 
And, and we so, use what we use because it's the best there is. Well, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm the same way. Yeah, there's a guy out there, and I won't mention any names, but but he trusts his life from everything from his sunglasses to his <laughs> sleeping bags to his tennis shoes. And I don't trust my life to very many things. But I trust I, my life to the essential things that really mean. I a lot. do trust my life to a good bullet like Hornady, and I do trust my life to a, a rifle that I can count on like a Remington. Those are really, those are two you know, things where you, you really put your put your tail on the line. When you know when you have to work that bolt to get a quick second shot, that empty is going to come out, and a and a fresh round is going to be placed in the chamber. That's it. And 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 uh, you know, like a race car driver or something, he he is not going to take. I mean, he knows he is in a risky game. But some people see guys zinging around the track at 230 miles an hour and think well, he's got to be insane. But they understand the risk, but they understand their equipment, and, and and you know they don't let that car get on the track unless it's ready to go. Dave, what a, these days optics? You're, you're going to Africa, uh, and. I know you guys do a fair amount with Trijicon, as do I, and I, I, I love their products. If somebody's going to go to Africa, and let's say you're going to hunt buffalo, mm-hmm. but you're also going to hunt plains game mm-hmm. while you're there, what magnification type scope <clears throat> do you think is, is best based upon your experiences, based upon the client's experiences? And, of course, you guys have filmed a yeah. gosh-off number of, of people hunting there on oh. their experience. What, what do you think is the best range when it comes to hunting e- in that situation? Easy, easy answer. And probably going to say the guy's using a bolt rifle yeah. uh, if he's going to do planes game. Right. You know, although a well-scoped double is more accurate yeah. than most of us give it credit for. But that's a pretty easy answer. I think it's just hard to go away from a 3 to 9 or a 3 to 10, somewhere in there. But you've got to understand, you know, that, that that thing has a magnification range built into it for a reason. And, you know, a lot of people, I mean, uh, if I could tell you over the years how many lost opportunities we've had because a buffalo popped up at 30 yards and the guy's on 10 power or 9 power and all he sees is black, uh, you know, you you have to always be cognizant of your cover type. It, if you're trailing buffalo in thick cover and then you kind of come out of it, and, you know, you should be down at three or four power because that if you encounter him, it's going to be close range. You're not going to shoot him at 80 yards because you can't see him at 80 yards. But you might come out into a riverine area. We're still hunting a buffalo, but all of a sudden you look up and there's a big bush buck or a kudu in Yala, whatever it may be, and he's out there at 130 yards. Well, it takes you, you know, what, a second to, to twist that trigicon on the nine power, and now you're set. And you've got time to do it. you got time Where, to do as it. As the reverse, it can take a long time oh, you don't have any time. Oh, you've got seconds when that buffalo stands up and says, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, they don't stand around, you know, long. I mean, he'll try to isolate what he's looking at, but... You know, but you know now is you're you're trying to you know figure out you know are there limbs in your way? Do you need to move to the right? I mean, you've got seconds to do it, and 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 that should be lining the crosshairs up, not getting the magnification <laughs> lined exactly. up. So, exactly. So yeah. yeah, that's a pretty easy one, a three to nine, and just it's so critically important that as you move through your day, your your scope setting is in line with the cover you're in 
And there's so many, and I'm talking guys, Larry, that have hunted their whole life and they get into that thick cover and they just don't think about that. No. And then the buffalo, they came, you get on that once in a lifetime bull and he goes away because you're on nine power. Yeah. You just got to, you just always got to be thinking about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, one of the scopes I really like that in those kind of situations is their point with that. I prefer that little green dot in the center oh. there that in terms of getting on target in a hurry and all those kind of good things. So oh, I've been there. And I think the one that I've been using is like a two and a half to 10. Yep. And generally, I just keep it at two and a half until I do get in a situation to make it shot at a longer distance. Then I may crank it up a little bit. Well, as soon as I do, I crank it right back down again. And that's just years of habit of trying to be prepared well larry i've been shooting tridge gone for 16 years non-stop yes, and that's all i've shot and, and and you know and i tell the guy the same rifle that you go to africa with you know you can take the scope off that and put it on your seven mag when you, you come back home for, for the rest of your north america your right. hot tail and stuff you know so just because you put a rifle scope on a certain rifle doesn't mean that's got to be there it's forever not, it's not welded on because there. they're not they're not inexpensive <laughs> no. but it is a that is a tool that you'll have the rest of your life you know like tridicon you're gonna pass that down to your kids or exactly. that'll go into your will and seriously it'll seriously uh, somebody right. will will get that but you know, look, there are certain animals, you know, a doll, sheep, not so much. You know, you're going to see black crosshairs, but understand that crosshairs are black. And I think of animals like buffalo or black bear, you know, or a leopard on a branch late in the day where you're having to get that. You can't see your crosshair, so you're dropping it up. You raise it up, raise you drop it, it back <laughs> down, you raise it up. He's moving around, you drop it back down. With that tritium chip on the AccuPoint series, uh, it, it is. It gives you, and they call it a brilliant aiming solution, and that's exactly <laughs> what it exactly is. What it you is. see, there is no need to to wonder on a, a black creature, and it can even be a big whitetail coming out in the field late, late in the day or early in the morning, or a hog. And a lot of us spend yeah. off season time hunting hogs. I mean, so. But, but shooting is not about hoping. Shooting is about precision. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that tritium chip on an AccuPoint series, uh, it is literally a lifesaver. I yes. tell people I don't want him even coming on a leopard hunt or a lion hunt without it. They don't always take that advice because they may have already got a scope. But, but a, uh, to think of the expense that you're going to go to, why would you want to give up a shooting opportunity? To, and especially, no, no. you know, I'm a big leopard hunter, and those are. leopard hunts, they they are seconds of opportunity and months and weeks, sometimes years of waiting for that opportunity, and they happen late most of the, generally. And and why would you not make an investment in a scope that that will allow you to take a shot that a traditional crosshair, just black reticles, would not offer you. Exactly. And when you're on a quick shot where you don't have a whole lot, that little spot in there immediately draws your eye to it. And it's so easy to get on target. Yeah. I mean, the leopard that I shot was during the black like 1030 in the morning of all things. Yeah. And, uh, but it was, I had a grand total of probably about three seconds to, to see the animal and make the shot where the situation was. And had it not been for that little spot that I immediately put on his shoulder or just right behind the shoulder, angling tried to hit the opposite shoulder, uh, you know, I, I couldn't have gotten on him. It just it made all the difference in the world. So yeah. I'm I'm like you. I haven't used them quite that long. I've kicked myself now that I haven't <laughs> since I started using. Well, them. now it, now I'll tell you this. Now, if a guy says I'm going to go hunt buffalo and that's it, or I'm hunting elephant, then that's it. 
you know, I'll go like a two and a half to four or six right. with that post. Yes. And, you know, you're talking about a, you know, on a, you know, crosshair. Right. You, the tritium chip is right dead in the middle and it's a round dot. And right. the darker it gets, the more it glows. But now the tritium, same tritium technology, they have a little, like a little triangle chip that sits on a German post. Yes. There is nothing, and brother, I mean nothing faster on Buffalo uh, and especially when he starts moving, and that also gives you the opportunity to shoot both eyes open. You know, we shoot at a duck flying by, he's moving, you're not closing one eye and lining him up, you've got both eyes open, and, it, and it's harder to do that with a traditional, you know, rifle scope as compared to the, the post, and the, the, the tritium chip is bigger on the post. Right. And there is, when I tell you, I mean, if you're looking for the perfect buffalo-only scope or buffalo elephant scope that acupoint in the in the post with the chip on top it is deadly fast fast i've not used it in africa that scope i've, I've got a uh, 450 400 ne3 inch that i love to shoot and i've used it primarily on hogs or rattling up whitetails yeah and you're right that little triangle up there you talked about being quick yeah and, and tennessee is for those shots to be relatively close so you're not shooting at two three hundred yards well that's it oh that's exactly right yeah it's not a long range it's not a long range tool no it's, it's very specific but like you said rattling whitetails what, what happens there they're they're on the move and they're close <laughs> they're where they're going. yeah he's trying to yeah. find you, you he's looking and particularly the older ones that you really want to try to concentrate on yeah no it would uh, you know i've i've not shot a whitetail with that but i wouldn't hesitate one second to whip one out and uh, put it on my seven mag and i'd be perfectly suited for a close range shot. my intentions are actually i've hunted hogs with them and i've hunted whitetails with them a little bit have not put since I put one on, I have not shot one coming into horns. But that's one of my goals this year mm. is to do to use that particular scope. They want to come back with you at another time. I want to address some of the other things uh, relative to Africa, particularly leopard, and mm. what's going on as far as leopard hunting is concerned. And, and just maybe just talk about nothing but leopard hunting in that one. One of the things that you guys do, and y'all have been so fantastic over the years in terms of video productions and. <laughs> Excuse me. All those things. Y'all now have basically two shows, and those two shows are? Well, we've got three shows. Three we, shows. We've okay. got Tracks Across Africa has right. been our flagship show, and it's Dallas Safari Club's Tracks Across Africa. Right. They've been our title sponsor for 13 yes. years. Yes. And uh, that runs on Outdoor Channel, and, and we're going into our 16th season. With, with that long, with, with that show, Same like yesterday, y'all started that. <laughs> and for five years, we did twenty six new episodes a year yeah. from Africa for a few guys living in Texas. That's quite a. <laughs> that, let me tell you, that's a stretch, brother. That, that was a stretch. That, the that'll 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 cost you a marriage. And that'll <laughs> cost you some wrinkles. Cost me some hair, and you know <laughs> all that. But but it's a it's a passion. But then we have a, a show called uh, Hornady's Dark and Dangerous. And the difference between the two shows, you know, on on uh, the sports uh, or uh, the, uh, tracks. the tracks across Africa, generally it's you know uh, it, it's you know a hunter will come, and, you know this guy's come to Namibia or wherever. Here's what he's hunting, and we'll be with him from the start of the safari till it ends. It's kind of a documentary style. Now Hornady's dark and dangerous. Every episode will feature three different hunts coming from three different 
locales with three different hunters and as as the season progresses you know larry may be hunting you know leopards in namibia dave may be hunting uh, buffalo in tanzania and tim may be hunting uh, plains game in south africa but eventually larry will on episode three larry will get his leopard and then you'll be replaced by another guy coming in so it's kind of like the safari world uh, safari camp like people are world people are always coming yeah. in and that one concludes and a new one begins right. so it's just a unique it's just a different feel and uh that runs on sportsman channel and then we have our international show which is trijicon's world of sports of field and we have literally crisscrossed the globe with that uh, series. We could be in Texas hunting whitetails. We could be in Tanzania hunting elephants, uh, Russia, Spain, Australia, New Zealand, uh, all over Canada, North America. So it just allows us to hunt the globe. And uh, so, yeah, it it, uh, it it keeps us uh, it keeps us running. Lots of. Lots of miles, lots of cameras involved in those. Well, that's just one thing you guys are involved in because y'all also do the messaging for DSC and the DSC Foundation. And and I really want to kind of close this out with a little discussion about that. You guys do such a fantastic job when it comes to putting together a short program that doesn't go on and on and on, that keeps people's attention, that has an absolutely fantastic message. And, And those are through social media, right? Primarily, well, yeah, you know, YouTube channels, social media can be anything from a short film to a meme. Uh, you know, you know, social media is a delivery system. Yes, TV is a delivery system. Yes. Radio, a blog—they're all delivery systems. And the important part, Larry, is as hunters, and especially in our world of international hunting, uh, you know, messaging, you know. We we have a righteous message. We do, and, and you know we've kind of developed. You know, our, if somebody said, "What what does DSE stand for?" We call it conservation through hunting. That conservation, you know, hunting and the dollars that are generated, you know, from the sport of hunting, from excise taxes to you know travel to uh, it, it goes on and on and on. We are the fuel that fuels the engine of conservation you know in africa there's no better you know it's it's so easy to look at it in africa you know africans don't want out they don't we go over there we're excited we see buffaloes and elephants and leopards and stuff and and you know wow they hate that stuff if it if that animal does not if it doesn't have a financial value to africans they want it dead yes you know, they literally want it dead, you know, and, and you see people over here caterwauling about that. But, Larry, right where we're sitting today, a couple of months ago, there was a pack of coyotes here in downtown, basically Dallas. Good Lord, you would have thought it was a herd of tyrannosaurs loose, you know, running up and down Main Street eating people because there was wildlife. There were coyotes. The city has to act. We've got to do something. But now these are the same city dwellers that will tell us well you shouldn't hunt an elephant or you shouldn't hunt a buffalo or you shouldn't hunt a leopard in africa now can you imagine lions loose you know in highland park or downtown chicago or la or wherever it may be you've got your garden just fine and two elephants move in there and tear all your trees out by the roots the next day to eat three pounds of leaves and then go to your neighbors 
you know, we have people who are trying to make wildlife decisions about things they know nothing about. No, and too don't. much in this world is met. wildlife policy is being dictated by public opinion, not scientific data and facts. Right. DSC and the DSC Foundation, you know, we are shining, trying our very best through all of our messaging to shine the light on, on the role that the hunter conservationist plays. We've always been the original conservationists. Always. Hunters have always been. Always. That will never, ever, ever change. But we have to get that message as we, you know, we see urban, where do the votes come from? Yeah, they come from urban. And we have people that absolutely have no understanding of the natural world. And we have it. We have import restrictions. We have, you know, God. I hope Trump gets reelected. But Trump crippled us in Africa, you know, with his you know tweets about elephant hunting. It was something that he didn't understand. Has no idea the harm being done to Africa's elephant population because he has taken away the financial incentive. Most people won't go there to you know hunt an elephant for 14 days and not be able to bring any memento or pieces or ivory or whatever they want to bring all the meat is utilized every ounce of it is always Everything utilized about that elephant is uh, is utilized it's but, amazing but whether it's meat distribution to locals whether it's employment you know opportunities whether it could be in canada it could be in russia right. it could be anywhere we are always trying our level best to shine a light on all the good that comes from hunting. Well wishes and good thoughts will not save wildlife. Hunters' dollars are, are the firewall, and, and there is Amen. no organ. I'm not telling you, I'm telling your listeners. Absolutely. There's lots of choices out there, and I'm pro-conservation organization, whether it's a Ducks Unlimited or Wild Turkey or Elk Federation or Wild Sheep. There's lots of things that we should, you know, that support our passions. But there is not an organization, an international hunting organization is what we primarily are. Although we have members that may never leave the great state of Texas, you know, and we're a very inclusionary group. Don't let the word safari fool you that you've got to be a African hunter to be a member of DSC. You don't. But, but at the heart of it, we are an international hunting yeah. organization. And right now our big fight is the importation issues that that our opponents have finally figured out if we can keep people say look you can go shoot an elephant shoot a lion shoot three of them shoot six of them you'll never be able to bring it back that will for many many people keep that hunt from happening and without them traveling and doing that hunt the money that drives conservation in Africa will drive. The animals will be eliminated. We could lose our wildlife in the generation. It, it's the animals that will suffer out of all that. It is the animals that always, it will, the, the animals will always be the first thing to go. Animals thrive in areas where they're hunted strictly because the rural people understand the intrinsic value the money that provides, we build clinics, you know, like campfire programs over in Zimbabwe. We've built schools, we build medical clinics. We have job opportunities. The people live in this rural village working for the safari company. They could be trackers, they could be road builders, they could be cooks, they could, you know, uh, be camp staff. Skitters, I, I Anything. Mean, it, goes it, on it goes and on, on and on, and it all happens because of because, hunting. And yes. where hunting ceases, 
the animals go away. You look at Kenya. Kenya stopped hunting in 1978. They've lost, you know, over 90% of their elephant. I mean, you know, there you want to go see wildlife in Kenya, you got to go to a park, and there's probably a 50-50 chance you'll run into poachers in the national park. Yeah. And you probably have to go within the interior, not the perimeter. Oh, no. You've you got to go into the deep interior that, to see those other, or hunt, or other species. Animals well. thrive, you know, it, 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 or animals going to be taken, yes. But the, 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 the money raised from an elephant or a Marco Polo or an Afghanistan, you know, Uriel yeah. or a Markar, whatever it may be, the monies are, are so immense in that area. You know, I've got a, we have a good friend that, you know, went and shot a Markar. Uh, and took a ton of heat. He's a Dallas guy. I won't say his name, but took a ton of heat. He left over $120,000. That valley that he shot that big Markar at used to be poaching central. I mean, they would shoot a nanny. They would shoot a kid. And it goes right into the stew pot. Nowadays, Mm -mm. if... It's a tribal member was to poach a markar, which is a wild sheep for those of us, a wild goat actually for right. those of us, but a highly valued animal, that guy will get thrown off a cliff because he has literally robbed the entire area of the finance. The same guy that shoots the elephant in a communal area and you know just takes the tusk, leaves the meat to rot. Nobody but that one guy benefited and he sold it to a Chinese trader and it went back to Hong Kong and all that. But in an area where that elephant has value and that community benefits from it, you've just turned an entire village into game scouts. Yes. And they come to us and say, hey, there was an elephant yeah, poached. Exactly. We know the guy that did it. And, and so where elephants or lion or bears or whitetails and the list goes on and on and on where they have value they thrive they do and hunting gives wildlife value absolutely absolutely and that's a message that if you want to see those kind of messages go to the dsc website go to the d the dsc you know foundation Foundation, right and, and and you know you and they're not just opinion they're not opinion pieces. They are data-based. Data-based, hard scientific facts. That's it. And you're a, you're a biologist. Nobody understands that better than you. But, you know, too many of our, you know, our opponents, they use emotion. You know, the Cecil the lion deal. You know, it's an emotional deal. We're giving animals names. Cecil was a wild lion, like hundreds of wild lions inside the park on Monday, outside the park on Tuesday. Uh, they're a nomadic creature by nature. The males especially run... But but we humanized that line. There were people who lived in that area their whole lives and never heard of Cecil. But the hunting industry got caught with our pants pulled down like never before. And nobody realized that faster than DSC. That's why when something happens, you know, we have what we call a fast response program that, you know, uh, I mean, if if when the next Cecil hits, you won't have to look past DSC and you won't have long to wait before we have you know our response out on it and 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 it's the most important uh, look out of everything that i do larry the work we're doing with dse and 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 trying to shine a light on the conservation through hunting story there is it is going to be my life's passion and we are so blessed to have an organization like dsc that realizes the risks and i mean we are living in a time of risk created by social media because what does social media do it gives the uninformed 
instant platforms and large numbers. Doesn't give them an informed opinion, but we see it every day. The uninformed, if you put enough numbers, it, it scares governments, it scares individuals, it scares organizations. Well, DSE is not an organization that's going to be backed off. We're, we don't act out of fear, and we don't counterpunch. We're on the cutting edge. We're putting our message out first. We're not waiting to counterpunch uh, an inaccurate statement by a Born Free Foundation or PETA or Humane Society. We're, we're leading, and we will always uh, be leaders. You know, we, uh, we are so blessed. I'm going to give a shout-out to Corey Mason. You know, our boss, uh, the executive director Amen. of Dallas Safari Club. Um, you know, when Corey came on the job, a lot of us didn't know Corey, and I've said since, uh, we could not have went into a laboratory and designed <laughs> and a better yeah. executive director. <laughs> totally, with, totally. And, and like you, Corey has a wildlife background, a certified wildlife biologist. And, and the, under his leadership and the leadership of Mark Little, the DSC president, and the board, our various boards of DSC, of the Frontline Foundation or the, the DSC Foundation, which you and I are both uh, honored to sit on that board. Uh, yes, sir. We have great leadership, and we're, we're, we are going to be the tip of the spear to get our message out. Dave, thank you. And if anybody wants to learn more about what Dave's been visioning or we've been visioning about here, you can go to our DSC Foundation website. That's dscf.org or the Dallas Safari Club, DSC, which is B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G. Dave, thank you. Tell me, tell folks how they can get in touch with you through uh, Safari Classics. Safari right? Classics Productions in Dallas, Texas. Uh, you know, you can you can reach us uh, there anytime. Uh, yeah, I spend more time up here at DSC than I do at <laughs> Safari Classics. But it, uh, but yeah, Safari Classics uh, .net is how you can get on our website. And uh, perfect. Yeah, or you can give us a call, and we're always uh, we're always happy to. And Larry, let me tell you, thank you for what you you do you have uh you have been this a, together you've been a mainstay in this in in this business uh you know guy i looked up to when i was coming up through the ranks and and uh you know they're uh, you know like any uh, like any organization like any industry it's got to have its leaders and you've always been a leader uh that's led by example and and uh you know, our industry is in better shape because of guys like you. And I'm trying to follow in that footsteps, and our whole team is. And like you said, we are in this together. And uh, and it's and we got a hard fight. The the time for people standing on the sidelines. And, and I want to leave with one thing. That's we're passed. We're working on a video. We're shooting a video tomorrow with Mark Little, the president of DFC. And the message is the fallacy of the guy that says, you know, I didn't even know. You know about this African elephant import or lions, but you know I'm I'm never going to shoot a lion. I'm never going to shoot mm -hmm. Africa. Have you ever met a guy or a lady that says, "I think it's a sin to shoot an elephant"? But of course, I'm okay if you want to shoot a mule deer or an elk or a whitetail. That's like Bigfoot. Everybody hears about them, but nobody can get their hands on <laughs> right, one. Right, exactly. You know, anti-hunters are against hunting. They are going after the low-hanging fruit. So fewer people, you know, today if they said they're going to shut down whitetail, you know, we'd be storming the White House with torches and pitchforks. 
But the same guy that's, you know, a passionate North American hunter says, well, Africa doesn't really affect me. Where do you think they're coming next? But it does. It, it, it well, does. The crystal ball, you don't have to be a, a seer no. to look into the future. They're coming after our sport of hunting wherever, and their stated goal is to stop it in every form that it exists in. So, you know, like I said, the best thing you can do, you want to be a part of the solution, get a DSC membership become a part of the solution absolutely don't be a part of the problem be part of the solution that is the solution dave thank you so very much for joining us today and i look forward to the next time we get a a chance to sit down and visit let's talk about those leopards we're going to do that thank you folks for being with us today and we'll be right back here next week with you and no telling who we'll be talking to at that moment but i can promise you one thing we're going to come back and talk to dave folsom some more in the future thank y'all very much DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, callness calls made. Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas-raised hunting products, The Scent Gods, www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website. 